bitch. Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Bitch, the Chicago. Hello everyone, what is up? It is me, Ewan, today joined by Sander again. Hello. For another episode of the We Love Dad Movies podcast, and today we're going to talk about Saving Private Ryan. As voted on by the patrons. Yes, the patrons. Patreon.com slash we love dad movies. We love all three of you. <laughs> God bless. God bless. But yeah, we're going to talk about Saving Private Ryan. There was a poll up that went up uh, last week, um, and the, the options were Last Action Hero, The Last Boy Scout, and Saving Private Ryan. And hey, everyone just wants to, to, to talk about Spielberg. <laughs> everyone wants to save Private Ryan. Exactly. And Saving Private Ryan is a quintessential dad movie. There are so many from the 90s, and I think maybe this might just be my experience of having a dad who <laughs> was a 90s dad who See, did, did lots of nannies things. I did ruminate on this last night briefly, and I do recall, as much as I've said in previous episodes, that I never really had a filmic experience with my dad. I do know that my dad very much enjoys this movie. Ah, there so, we go. Yeah. yeah, no, it was, um, I can't say it was like a favourite, but it was a film that, you know, it's not like, um, it's not a warm hug of a movie saving Private Ryan. It's not like, you know, we'll, we'll get into this in a little bit more detail as the, the podcast develops. Um, but it is, it's, it's, it's a grueling experience and there's a, there's a reverence for that movie that, that my dad had. Um, and yeah, it is, it is an amazing film and such a shock to the system because I, 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 I love war movies. You do. And that has been passed down to me from dad. Um, he showed me all sorts growing up, um, including like loads in the 60s. So when I think of like classic dad movie, war movies, I think of stuff like The Longest Day, um, Guns of the Navarone, uh, Force 10 to Navarone, Von Ryan's Express, and The Dirty Dozen, and, and all those movies. Um And Saving Private Ryan was one that I was not allowed to watch as a child for good reason. You know, it's a very, very, very (laughs) violent movie. Um, But when I was a young teenager and Dad was, like, showing me more and more films, this one came up and I was just kind of like, Ooh, (laughs) this ain't no longest day. (laughs) Well, it deliberately uh, makes note of a shot, uh, pays homage to it after its D-Day thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, like, for those who don't know, The Longest Day was, like, a massive international co-production that came out in 1962, I believe. Um, You have all, like, the the classic Hollywood actors of the day. You know, you got John Wayne, you got Richard Burton. um, And it was a massive international co-production which showed the most comprehensive depiction of D-Day in... Uh, in, in a movie. And uh, I mean comprehensive in the sense that it, it, it focused on everything. You had the landings at Omaha and Utah, it had the airborne element, it had the, the landings at Gold Juno and Sword, you know, the, the German counter, or the beginnings of a German counter-offensive. Um, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't like, you know, we're going to show the actual reality of what these people face. You know, it's very much like a big adventurous war epic. And the thing that I want to touch on here with this movie is that, like, the thing about Saving Private Ryan is that it, it is just an essential shock to the system. And I'm, I know there were plenty of violent war movies before this that really kind of, um, you know, obviously Hollywood has a history of like, you know, not shying away from the horrors of war and, you know, looking at, you know, um, anti-war messages in its films, you know, like Paths of Glory and, you know, and then when you get to the kind of post-Vietnam era, you know, you have filmmakers like Oliver Stone, who obviously served in Vietnam, 
he comes out with Platoon, which is a massive kind of, you know, big moment because it's basically, you know, that along with Full Metal Jacket are like, you do know that Vietnam was awful. It was absolutely, truly horrendous. And these were the violent, this was the violence that we experienced as soldiers there. Um, whereas in the 60s, if you had a Vietnam War movie, it would be propaganda sanctioned by the government, which was, you know, the Green Berets, which which starred John Wayne as, as a cowboy fighting in Vietnam, essentially. Um, but with World War Two, you've kind of had always, you've always had that pulpy, there is an element of pulp and adventure to World yeah, War Two. Yeah, little comic books and yeah. Captain America well, punching Hitler. Even with Spielberg, with Indiana Jones, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. pre-World War Two. but you know, the Nazis are a colourful enemy for people mm-hmm. to fight and they're an easy enemy to, to loathe and, and, and you know, <laughs> confront in that way. Um, but th- that kind of attitude bled into lots of, you know, Hollywood depictions of World War Two. So I think that even though, you know, I'm speaking for, for, for people in Britain right now, you know, with World War One there was a general recognition that it was a meat grinder of just awfulness and, you know, all these horrific things were experienced by the soldiers there and, you know, unimaginable horrors. And we treat that conflict with a massive degree of reverence. We also treat the Second World War with a degree of reverence. But there is a slight delineation here because I feel, and this isn't just like a Hollywood thing, I think it is just, you know, so much in terms of Britain, the identity, the national identity is built around World War II. Yes, um, uh, we, love, we love a good uh, poppy wearing, yeah. uh, saluting yeah, yeah, old yeah. time. And like sticking it to Hitler and whatever, you know, the Blitz and the Battle of Britain and everything. And Blitz spirit. Yeah, and like, you know, I feel like that adventurous element, it bleeds through in so many war movies that even though there will be occasional moments of pathos, which there is in stuff like The Longest Day, or the bridge at Raymargan, or whatever, you still have the vibe of either because of artistic intent or the lack of technical ability to portray things as violently as they were, you basically get, you know, the sense that it's, it was an adventurous time um, and, 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 and not not as horrific as World War One, when obviously 40 million, over 40 million people died in World War Two, and with, <laughs> and more deadly weapons were used in the process. Uh, and even though, you know, when people think of World War One, they think of, you know, static armies kind of hold up in trenches, dying, succumbing to disease, being gassed, gassed yeah. you know, going down in a hail of artillery and machine gun fire. World War Two, just because it was more mobile, um, doesn't mean that it wasn't, less horrific and in most cases it was just as if not more so yeah and not even from like the 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 gore aspect of of this movie or kind of the realism just from a story making standpoint it is very you don't get that sense of catharsis that you do in a lot of other war movies like it kind of the traditional character arcs don't get fulfilled in many in many ways from various different characters and i think that's what makes it so unique uh i was joked yesterday after we watched it that the majority of the time when i was talking through the movie was just me going oof yeah oof yeah um because uh, because you never feel that sense of satisfaction and and that's a really good thing um one of some of the gripes i have with with the movie are actually kind of make it stronger because you can as a as a viewer you're kind of going well that's not very satisfying like oh this is this is annoying but then you think like well actually that's really refreshing and i, I think that's what makes this movie so stand the test of time and be so unique and i don't even i would argue that the only thing that's come close to it since is hanks and spielberg's other big project band of brothers yes, yeah uh, which obviously covers 
slightly different aspect of the war, but um, it it did frustrate me re- reading some some letterbox. Oh reviews, god, there were some amazing um, calling, discourse calling the, the the movie like propaganda and imperialism. And I feel this is a very anti-war movie. It's incredible to me how people will look at a movie and think that depiction equals con- condoning. <laughs> you know, um, and and let let's be clear, like Saving Private Ryan, the. There are sentimental aspects to the movie. You know, Steven Spielberg himself is a very sentimental filmmaker. Um, you know, you contrast the absolute barbarity and horror that you see on the beaches of Omaha and the, the fields of France with the serene kind of farm life that, that the Ryans left behind in it's Iowa. The, them listening to this record player of this beautiful French song about yeah. someone losing her lover. Yeah. And the bookend opening of spoilers mm-hmm. private ryan coming to the the um the graveyards in in, in france uh, to find uh, uh captain miller's gravestone mm-hmm. and you ha- you know bookending the, the the story and you know that's you know very typical spielberg yeah. kind of ha- having that in there but it, it is deliberate in, in 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 that sense similar to his ending of um schindler's list yeah. having the survivors well it's 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 reverential is what i would say and there's a i think there's a difference between the sentimental aspects of depicting like you know like the home life in america and actually having reverence for the, for the actual combat veterans of of, of second world war and you know spielberg's own father was an airman in world war Two, um and like we mentioned earlier on with Indiana Jones, you know, World War II has been a big part of his of his filmography. But I just find it interesting that of all the filmmakers to come along and really challenge the notion. I mean, not even the challenge the notion, because I feel like everyone has has everyone is aware of how horrific the Second World War is, or at least they should be. Um, but at least in terms of Hollywood depictions of the conflict, really hone in on the actual combat experiences lean into historical authenticity and take a filmic angle um where you feel as though you're immersed in with the actual people that are experiencing this event you'll notice that watching saving private ryan um there are no traditional kind of like (laughs) spielbergian kind of angles i think there are a couple shots when they're walking through the fields um where you know it's kind of like it feels like a film for the most part, you know, um, the the actual action itself is all shown from the perspective of the of the troops themselves, and the cinematography by Janusz Kaminski, um, it's it's incredible. It it feels like at times like a guerrilla style documentary than it does an actual movie yeah, because you get off the boat on Omaha, and you're st- you're with Hanks the entire time, you're with Miller the entire time, and the only glimpses you ever get of the enemy are from the perspectives of the actual US soldiers. So you get that sense of fear and dread of the unknown. You don't know where you're taking these bullets mm-hmm. from. You don't know where the, where exactly the people are unless yeah. you're up close and personal. And that's where the real horror comes into and it. The only, you know, in the Omaha Beach scene, which is infamous for the right reasons, it's like 20 minutes of just, just fish in a barrel, just mm-hmm. getting absolutely decimated. You see, like, behind some German shoulders, like, with the machine guns, mm-hmm. but that's to show, like, the people coming off the boats just getting mowed down. Yeah. Just completely just... Just body parts and, like, it's... You know, the the sea turning red with, with blood, and it's... It's relentless. I think that that's one of the best words I can use to describe this movie. Even during moments of kind of peace or serenity, there's always constant just reminders of death. Yeah, yeah, you know them counting the dog tags to try and find uh, Private Ryan's name in there. Um, you know Tom Hanks 
his character, uh, Captain Miller, um, when they're kind of resting after D-Day, um, he starts essentially having like a panic attack of sorts and like people are eating. He's got like, a tick. Yeah, yeah. people are, see- are seeing, he's see- watching someone eat like a spam sandwich and like pouring like dark, Hot coffee. dark brown coffee and it's just kind of thing- making him kind of, not explicitly, but we as the audience can kind of make the connections of, ah, this is reminding him of like the, the horrible stuff he's just witnessed at- during D-Day. Um, and, you know, there's never this sense of, of pause um and you know it doesn't quite deliberately because obviously it cuts out you know the, a lot of the traveling which the only film i can say that i've seen that I compare it to is 1917 which is equally quite unforgiving mm-hmm. um in in the way it depicts the sort of soldiers experiences with, within the wars obviously that being world war one um but there's just this constant looming threat of death everywhere um and it, you never feel that sense of like calm or relief or even a sense of um satisfaction you know multiple times throughout the movie um they take about they talk about like well why is it that we're going all of our out of our way to rescue this one guy and the film i think quite deliberately makes matt damon's character of private ryan quite a blank slate mm-hmm. to kind of bring back home that he's just some dude he's just a soldier who just happened to be luckily you know pulled out of war because three of his brothers were killed in action yeah and i think we can we can talk about the casting here as well because that's one of my favorite things about this movie and reading up on it and seeing that spielberg himself he wanted to cast people who reminded him of the faces he saw on the newsreels he Mm -hmm. watched growing up very baby-faced a lot of them well yeah but also like you know people with the real a thousand yard stares and stuff and like there is there are like you know hank springs the hollywood charisma here I mean, that's probably not even the right way to say it, because I feel like, you know, you think of Tom Hanks, you think of America's dad. And I feel like that's a very intelligent casting in this case, because, you know, Hanks isn't an action star. He isn't, you know, someone who's <laughs> got experience in the war genre beyond Private Ryan and, you know, producing Band of Brothers. And so it, it gives into the idea that this is a real civilian army. You know, these aren't professional soldiers. These are people who have been drafted in or volunteered to go fight for their country during the Second World War. And you you, you feel the, the diverse kind of like backgrounds of all these people and they all feel believable instantly. And it's, 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 it's good because at no point does the movie feel the need to dwell and explain who X, Y, and Z is. Obviously you have Miller's bit where he reveals that he is, you know, an English teacher in a high school or whatever. But it's, it's mostly, you know, there's an unspoken history here. You have that great moment at the end of the D-Day sequence where Tom Sizemore's character um, bottles up the sand um, at Normandy, and you see the other canisters in his in his sack, and it shows that you know he's been he's been in the war since the African campaign, which is when you know the Americans first encountered the German forces during World War Two, and then you've also got the the the, the sand from Italy as well. So he's been through the ringer. And now he's come all the way to Normandy and you see that reflected in his personality because, you know, he's the non-commissioned officer in the unit. You know, Hanks is the actual officer officer and and Sizemore's character is, you know, there's an element of um, desensitization mm-hmm. to, to what he's been through. You know, when he gets shot in the ass towards the end, it's more of an inconvenience than it yeah. is shock yeah. because he has seen everything And it's similar point. to uh, Barry Pepper's character mm-hmm. of the, 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 sniper. The, the sniper who I, I, I joked after we watched it that um, it would now consider maybe kind of stereotypical, you know, he's reciting like Bible verses mm-hmm. and he like shoots down his enemies and he's got like the best the best shot but that kind of started the trope mm-hmm. and you know and, you know, and you do have this diverse range of uh, of characters. You know, you've got Jewish, Italian American, and, and all this together. And the way they all interact with each other is is 
that sense of as you say unspoken camaraderie um and which makes it kind of all the more awful when these all these people get such awful horrific uh, deaths that don't get any you know traditional you know cradling them as they bleed out and their eyes slowly close no people in this movie get shot and they bleed out and they die and no one's around there's um that's the other so like obviously from a cinematograph 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 I'm just going to say from a filmmaking perspective, <laughs> from a filmmaking perspective in the visual sense, Saving Private Ryan is a massive departure from previous war movies because, you know, it feels, you know, if you were going to look at another filmmaker who probably benefited the most from this movie, you'd think of someone like Paul Greengrass, whose entire style is built around shaky cam. But the other element of it is it's it's the actual, you think of like, um, something like A Longest Day, not a long day, or like a bridge too far, which is one of my favorite. I, I love that movie to bits. Um, it's about Operation Market Garden during World War Two, which was a failed uh, airborne assault in 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 the Netherlands that that went terrible for the Allies. And that you know, it's it's more it's more violent than the longest day. You know, there is blood, there is sadness, there is you know that kind of element to it. But you know, most World War Two fiction, there is a moment where if the hero is going to die, they're going to have a big glorious sacrifice. They're going to do something extraordinary before they die. But everyone in this movie, even though they're accomplishing great feats of heroism, they all suffer really awful or quiet moments of, of death where it's just it just happens. It just it just comes upon them instantly. And that in itself is another another great example of just how how much of a a, a shock to the system this film is yeah and i feel some of the some of the deaths are perhaps a little on the nose you know adam goldberg's character this is the most this. horrific scene in the oh, movie, yeah, by the way. Um, like the omaha beach scene is harrowing but this this particular moment like it, i i, I genuinely it really get, like, gets i get a pit in my stomach whenever i watch it um, and at the end of the movie he um runs out of bullets and this German soldier like pounces on him and they're fighting and he's using the knife and then the guy takes the knife off him and slowly plunges it into into his heart. I would I would argue that's perhaps the most on the nose Spielbergian aha see see this moment, especially because the, the German soldier is a prisoner of war that they released mm-hmm. earlier in the movie, which they debated whether they would or not. Um, which also leads to another one, one of my favourite scenes in the movie of um, Jeremy Davis's character, who was the one who advocated for this guy to be freed you know uh corporal you know, upham yeah sees you know hears them all getting killed upstairs and he just he's just on the staircase just sobbing and you're you're screaming at him at this point to actually go up and and the, i'm probably leapfrogging your point here how dare you but there is that is that the, there is that point where you have that moment before where they're, they're giving him more responsibility as an actual combat soldier so obviously you know when he's he's brought into the unit at the beginning of the movie you know, he's not there. He's he's a, a radio he's a transit translator. He's also like a, a technician or whatever as mm-hmm. well. I think he's like working on radio communications. But and he's he never gets, seen combat, and he's been brought into this combat unit because they're lacking someone who speaks French or German. Uh, and you get to this final moment where you know he's um, in charge of carrying the ammunition, ammunition to all the the thirty caliber machine guns that they have. Um, and you feel like oh he's 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 stepping like, up. Oh, this now. is his in any other yeah. movie. This is his chance to step up, and you would have that traditional yeah. character arc of him, you know, getting the final, shot getting in. the courage, in and, and he doing... doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't, and he doesn't, and that's you know, as you say, it's so you're just kind of like ah, oh, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so when you get to that final bit where he's one of the last two men in the unit to to survive, mm-hmm. and he finds that that soldier that he let go, and he shoots him, 
There is no sense of catharsis. No. It feels so unsatisfying. Everyone else around him is dead and he cost he cost multiple men's lives. At least three. Yeah. <laughs> at least three because of his teammates. It, 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 it's one of those where it's like he just was not and i think that this is why saving private ryan excels so well as a war movie because like in any other traditional war story the the, the arc of the pacifist soldier or nerdy who soldier steps who steps up and you know does something heroic would be would be the norm whereas with here he's confronted with more horror than he's ever seen before because you've also got to remember that the previous firefights that he's seen he's he's observed them from distance which is specifically shot from his yeah. perspective which is, again is the great filmmaking of in this movie yeah. one of my favorite scenes is where um they come across a uh, german machine gun nest in a radio yeah, tower and, and yeah. he's kind of sat back behind the corpse of this cow and he's using a telescope to kind of see everything that's going on you just hear the the, the shots going off and you see like the dust clouds come up when grenades, throw grenades. Yeah. um and that is such a refreshing way to film this kind of movie. Um, so yeah, it, it feels like the film is building to that point and it just completely pulls the rugs out from under you because he's, you know, as any normal person yeah. would in the situation, just completely loses it yeah. and, and can't and can't handle it. Again, is it very on the nose? The, the, the person who killed his teammates mm. is the person that he let go free. Yeah. Oh, the fallacies of war, <laughs> which, you know... That is what it is, and I, uh, that's what the one thing I think I would say about the movie that I dislike. I feel that it's too kind of hammering, too deliberate, yeah, yeah. hammering at home. But it's interesting. Um, but I do, I adore that. I adore that scene because I think it just really hammers home just the 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 human nature of war and how like you can't make someone a soldier overnight. Mm-hmm. And you 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 see that instantly in in the opening on Omaha Beach as well because you have. Now, most of the soldiers in that sequence, they were extras from the Irish Army Reserves. Um, and during all of that, you have all these great kind of improvised camera shots. There's a really great moment where um, they're approaching the sandbanks with the Bangalore torpedoes. And the camera just pans down. Um, this guy this who's like... just yelling. Just yelling with his, you know, his, his kind of his guts hanging out and stuff. And... Um, it's just... It almost feels the cameraman's caught off guard. He, like, the camera, like, looks down briefly. Yeah, yeah. This guy well, just screaming. Well, Spielberg then... gave, gave his, you know, he gave them all quite a lot of freedom in that opening sequence. He wanted it to kind of play out fluid, fluidly um, and <laughs> as much chaos as possible. Um, and, like, there are occasional moments of gallows humour um, where you have the guy who survives the bullet and then he takes off his helmet and then instantly <laughs> gets shot. shot in the head. Tom Hanks is carrying like this guy who's been hit and is trying to take him mm. to a medic and a grenade goes off behind him and he's just dragging half yeah, the body. It's awful. <laughs> and like there's also, you know, the medics saving people and then being shot faster than they can save them and it's it's all really it's almost absurd. That's the thing is like the reaction is one of kind of like you you have that gallows kind of reaction to it, but it's because the violence is on such a scale that you, you find it absurd, well, even because, though it is authentic. Well, it's because if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Yes, you know? that's a good way yeah. of finding it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there are several moments with that. And you know, I think it's deliberate in some moments. You know, you have Paul Giamatti plays another um, captain within the movie. Yeah, he plays the Neverland. Uh, Nathan yeah. Fillion plays... I completely forgot about Nathan, Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion plays the person who they initially think Minnesota is, Ryan. <laughs> is James Ryan. And he's there like on the floor crying when he's, when he's like, but my brothers are in grammar school. Are they going to be okay? <laughs> so there are like light bits within it. But again, it's from this sense of like, isn't this situation foobar? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, a good yeah, reference. Go. But yeah, no, it is. It's um, 
it just it just shows like it, it in any other way you would look at this movie and I, i'm going to describe it as awful i think it's amazing but it is an awful experience at times there's no kind of like um you don't finish and you're thinking ah oh, yes i feel inspired and there's probably look at this sacrifice at the end, that was made at the end of watching it i realized why it's been about 10 years since i last watched it and it's it's because it takes out of you it's an exhausting experience but i feel like that is a testament to the film's genius and you know again just it's 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 incredible to me that spielberg was the one to to tackle it and, and do it this way yeah, um, and it, it is relenting but i you know i would argue that it's nearly three hours in length but i would say you don't actually feel that runtime necessarily when you mm. get to the sec the second half uh, once they're really deep in in france yeah because it is just it doesn't stop the violence never stops um you know the debates between the men about like why are we risking our lives to just one guy and then you meet the one guy and he's just some dude there is nothing unique or special about I feel like him. every single person you meet in this film is just some dude. And the other interesting fact that I got from this is that I, I'm, people listening to this will probably know that before the filming, um, you know, uh, Spielberg got sent the actors to, to military boot camp, essentially, and got them to do all kinds of drills and training and get into the mindset of, of you know, being a soldier and, and living without luxuries and stuff. But he made Damon do it completely separately to all the others so that mm. they wouldn't have that instant kind of connection and chemistry. Mm. And that really does shine through because all throughout this movie, you know, these soldiers are basically <sighs> cursing the name Ryan, you know, because why is one... Quite justifiably they saying... They lost two of their men. Yeah, why, why is one guy worth more than, than our lives, you know, whatever why does he get to go home we all have mothers we all have yeah. brothers why is it he why is it that he's special and then they get to where he is and they realize that the reason they haven't been able to find him is because he's one of the few airborne soldiers that have decided to defend this town and he's willing to to sacrifice himself to do it and refuses to go home with them because it would mean abandoning his comrades and at that point i think they understand that even if the mission itself is like you know <laughs> noble um it was never going to be a simple case of this guy's going to take this ticket back home because all these people have risen up to do something truly extraordinary and, you know, found a level of courage which is, like, incomprehensible to me. Um, and then they have their kind of, like, heroic last stand and there is that kind of nihilistic element because they know that no one's coming to get them. Um, you know, there's no relief that they're aware of. And they decide to basically go, you know what? Fuck it. This Let's is, just, this is our Alamo, you have as that, they say. You have that great... Yeah, they're like the Alamo. And then you have that great line from Tom Sizemore where he's just like, maybe the the one good thing we, we got out of this, you know, shitty saving awful day Ryan. was saving Private Ryan. You did your little Leo yes, point of the Leo camera point, thing. Point of the, um, point of the but yeah, that... that I, I feel like the Omaha sequence is is technically incredible, but the final, the final confrontation is what really takes it out of me in this movie. And I don't mean take it out as in like I'm, I'm immersed. Like it, it really is the thing that emotionally kills me because, you know, the opening is kind of an assault on the senses, and you spend the rest of the movie kind of being with these guys, and you realize the scale of the thing they're about to do, um, but you don't really know until they're faced with the entire might of like an, an armored division of, of German soldiers. And they're there, you know, improvising <laughs> explosives with sticky socks bombs that are blowing up, to, yeah, and, and you know, getting absolutely mowed down by anti-aircraft guns, yeah. yeah. It, it, 
And I think that links back into the whole thing of it so unceremoniously kills off its characters, you know. At this point, you know, not the Omaha Beach scene is horrific in, in many ways, but you get to this last big battle sequence, and obviously we've come a long way with, with all these characters. And they don't get a little ceremonious little camera shot looking at their like dead bodies or anything. They're just dead. Tom Sizemore's character gets shot in the back and gets dragged over to the other side of the bridge. And he's like, oh, don't worry about me. Mm-hmm. And then two minutes later, Tom Hanks goes back over to him and he's just dead. Yeah. He's, he's just bled out and yeah. died. You do not get the chance to say goodbye to any of these characters. Barry Pepper's in a building and he gets shot down by a tank. And yeah. that's it. Yeah, totally. It's, it's all very, it's all terribly sad is what you would say. And then you, you kind of come out of it on the other end with the kind of rug pull that the veteran that was visiting the grave at the very beginning wasn't Captain Miller. It was mm-hmm. it was Ryan. And, you know, he's starting to well up and stuff. And you have that, that whole thing where he's saying, you know, you've got to earn this. You've got to earn... You, you've lived through this absolute terror and horror. You need to live mm-hmm. and appreciate life and stuff. And that's a lot... That's a big burden, you know, coming out of that conflict and realising that people have basically died for you yeah, specific very specific yeah. survivors gift yeah. of you being saved by uh, this unit yeah but it's it's another one of those where it's just like and breathe like it, it's um that final sequence is is to me you know omaha is is one of the most incredible openings to a movie ever um but the actual battle of um i believe the village is called ramal i don't think it actually exists um but that that whole sequence is just incredible because you have the bit where you know that they're, they're anticipating the tanks coming through but then you don't realize the extent of the armored divisions that are coming through or the the the, the sheer scale of the german forces assaulting them and you have that old moment where he you know he blows up himself with the the sticky bomb which is just like jesus this fuse is too short yeah yeah and it's that's the thing about it. It, it, it it the emphasis in this movie is about how cruel unforgiving war is and how, you know, it requires the best of people in order to come out the other side with, with you know, <laughs> any semblance of, like, humanity or even just to survive at times. Because it is all mostly grim luck. Um, you know, you can teach people whatever, but it's, it's for these guys, you basically got popped in the meat grinder at one end and then came out of it on the other. And like we said earlier on, the spectre of death and everything is just constantly looming. Now, if we're going to talk about this film as a dad movie, mm-hmm. as a, a film that both of our dads enjoyed. <laughs> yes. Um, interestingly, before we recorded the pod, we watched the original trailer for, this, <laughs> for the uh, movie. Yeah. And it's very Spielbergian sentimental and doesn't really give... And obviously they can't show like the horrors <laughs> that occur within the movie in a, yeah. in a, in a public trailer. Um, but it was very like you know slow motion, the sweeping John Williams score. And it kind of portrays it as this epic journey of... You know, you, you could make this movie in the in the sixties as a, as this action epic of this unit coming together to save this one man to get mm-hmm. him home and this very heroic kind of propaganda esque plot. Um, but it's it very much not treated as that within the movie it, itself. So I kind of wanted your perspective as you know, it, it brings in it was the highest grossing movie of nineteen ninety eight. Mm-hmm. Um, what about it do you think makes it resonate more with the the dad war movie loving? <laughs> people if you could say because well, it is so different yeah I think, from the rest well i think i think it's because it confronts people with the i can't say the reality because none of us will ever know the reality but it it, it confronts people with an authentic vision of what happened we do love a good history buff and it's it's a case of you know with those earlier adventure war movies there is there is that element there's that knowledge of knowing what you're watching is 
inauthentic in the sense that it's not historically accurate, you know. But with with this, I feel like this is the closest approximation you would get to maybe understanding what those people saw. And there's an interview with Tom Hanks where, in the extras for Private Ryan, where he's talking about how, you know, it wasn't something that I'll ever be able to feel, but at least now I maybe know what they've seen. And, you know, Spielberg, after the movie came out, has spoken about, you know, D-Day veterans coming up to him and, and, and crying and thanking him for... You know, cause, and, and them saying, this is how I remember it, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I feel the reason why it resonates so much with that, you know, with with with, with dad, the dad <laughs> movie crowd, is because it's one of those where it's like, you don't want to ever see this for anyone. Mm-hmm. You don't want this to ever happen again. And the idea of, you know, the reverential nature of it all and, and being put in that situation how would how would you react you you can't comprehend it it's one of those incomprehensible stories like you you watch it and you you just cannot process the level of 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 terror and fear and this is it's quite a sad discussion this but i feel like it's one of those where it's um it, it it's reminding you the scale of what happened and you know we we all owe a massive debt of gratitude to you know the veterans of world war Two um and kind of after private ryan you have a little resurgence in world war Two media and documentaries and fiction and whatever um and i think it's because people you know coming up to the at that point then the 60th anniversary of the d-day landings and kind of appreciating the scale of the conflict and i feel like people always underestimate the scale of world war ii and arguably an even greater focus on the horrors of the holocaust as well Mm -hmm. uh, from you know the the 2000s onwards onwards and kind of putting a real focus on like the the hot the explicit horror horrors of the industrial scale of everything um and and just showing really just how gritty is not the right word but you know it's the industrial scale of it it's mechanized slaughter and this is the thing is like as someone who is interested in in history like you know history is one of my big things like i and, and world war world war Two history has kind of been like didn't you get a degree or yeah something in it? but I like don't know. world war Two for me like my inspiration my what piqued my interest about world war Two was like reading commando comic books as a kid and watching those adventurous war movies and then as you kind of grow older and you read the history and you, you kind of understand greater just the scale of stuff i i still think that people don't truly comprehend i mean it is difficult to comprehend but just the, the horror the magnitude of the second world war how it, it's it's how it's it reshaped the world and everything but specifically like in saving private ryan those more intimate stories where terror was enacted on a very specific level and what people saw you know that that in itself needs to be spoken about and we're at a very interesting point in our modern history <laughs> just in general but um you know 10 years ago we were seeing like the deaths of the last world war one veterans we're now getting to the point where we're losing the yeah. last world war two veterans we're at a point where soon we'll have that lived perspective is gone gone yeah and it's weird it, it's so important to have movies like this to really reiterate you know this anti-war message from the cost of human life and human sacrifice and um, as, as you said earlier, I feel like, you know, as much as some criticisms of this movie argue that it's very American tunnel vision, which, you know, one can say about a lot of World War II media. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, in Britain, we do, we love, 
wearing poppies, we love, you know, putting out our bunting for, you know, the Jubilee, and we're very kind of proud of our military history, but I feel like it's so sanitized, and, you know, it's all about paying respect, but paying respect for what? There's never any, there's never any discussion beyond the respect level. There's no interrogation of... Thank you for your service. The horror. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's no, there's no, actually, I feel like there is, um, even if there is a reverence for the, the concept of sacrifice, there's never any discussion beyond what that entailed. Um, and and that's that's the thing that Saving Private Ryan excels so well at is that it shows what they sacrificed. It's not just an abstract concept of these people <laughs> died, so you know you you could live in a in a free world or whatever. It's actually looking at what you know what they lived through in order to get that. They show the cost of everything, and I think that's that's really important um, because again, like you know, World War Two fiction. I I love pulpy adventurous World War Two stuff. Like it's a foundation. Literally talking about uh, commando. Yeah, it's in like the, it's, in the last episode. It's like it's talking like a, about the influences. There, yeah, it's yeah. like it's, it's a pillar of like my like my, my interests. I love that kind of genre, and it bleeds into to all sorts. Like you know, with Hellboy, that's pulp. Mm-hmm. That Hellboy is like cosmic sci-fi horror brought out of in demon Nazis. Yeah, like the the, the cultish obsess- obsessions that the Nazis have, and there is a there is always going to be that element to it. And I think there's obviously always going to be a place for those movies. The Longest Day is still something that I think everyone should watch because I think it's an incredible achievement in terms of, you know, the scale of what they were able to to achieve with that movie. I'd always recommend people watch pulpy adventures like The Guns of the Navarone or The Dirty Dozen or Kelly's Heroes or if you love Frank Sinatra, go ahead, watch Von Ryan's Express. But I think that Saving Private Ryan is essential because obviously there were some dark, gritty World War II movies before this. I watched. Um, oh, sorry, I knocked the knocked the laptop. Then I watched um, the big red one for the first time the other month when I was ill, um, and that was that. That's a properly grim, properly grim movie. Uh, very depressing. Very kind of bleak and violent. And you know, it ends with that incredible sequence where they liberate um, one of the concentration camps, and, and Mark Hamill's character is you know just unloading yeah. just a bunch of bullets into an Nazi. Yeah, and like that in itself, I feel like you know the big red one is probably worth a, a, a that needs to be talked about because it is a very important movie. And for me, like if we're looking at the evolution of World War Two fiction in specifically the filmic medium, that's quite a big transitionary period. You also have Sam Peckinpah's Cross of Iron, which is a amazing amazing movie that i watched the first time of the month as well um but saving private ryan like you know massively a massive turning point in terms of depictions of world war ii it went on to influence countless video games um like you know like you wouldn't get your call of duties your medal of honors without saving private ryan and you wouldn't have gotten your band of brothers or your the pacifics and you know it's influenced other depictions of wars outside of world war ii you have ridley scott do black hawk down in 2001 a movie that I don't think would have been made without Private Ryan. And, you know, I feel like it is such an, a, it's, it is just a massively important movie. It is a, it's, 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 it deserves its status. And, you know, again, just Steven Spielberg, fantastic filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, truly the goat. Mm. We, 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 we very much enjoy him. And yeah. it'll be a sad day when he goes as well. Much like with everyone else who has been dying in the past week that are Ewan's faves. Oh, man, I'm still so torn up about James Cameron. <laughs> I genuinely am. Uh, it would, it would, I would appreciate it very much if everyone would let me do a James Khan movie uh, for well, one of the upcoming episodes. You, well, you just got to put the poll out on the I Patreon do, to do. be only James Khan movies. Transition 
There we go. Yeah. I love it. We'll do that. I'll do a James Khan only <laughs> poll. <laughs> and then you'll have no choice but to... Oh, God, what do I put on? The thief? Well, Ro- think about... Think about let's Ro- let them ruminate on it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... All three of them. I'm, I didn't only said two. I didn't even get to finish the second oh. Thief. Rollerball. Uh, maybe the gambler. Maybe. I'm we'll gonna, think about this at a later date. Yeah, we'll think about this at a later date. But yeah, I think I think that was Saving Private Ryan. This is a very... Um, <laughs> oh, much like the movie, we're kind of ending this podcast like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, um, but I feel like that's kind of reflective of, of, of that. Um, and it's a, it's a fantastic movie. It not, is. You know, as much as we've talked about, oh, yeah. God, what a downer. It is just, it, I think it's essential. Beauty. Yeah, I, I would I'd describe it as essential. And like, you know, to me as someone with a massive interest in both film and history and specifically, you know, World War II and, and, and beyond, you know, it is... It is is so important it's a massive important is a word that gets thrown around too often in film discourse but saving private ryan is a very important movie you know even with its american tunnel vision you know i don't think we should expect every single depiction of world war ii to be comprehensive of every single experience that occurred there um you know i i still think it's it's an absolutely incredible movie and yeah and I really want to watch Band of Brothers again now as well. <laughs> but yeah, this has been another episode of the We Love Dad Movies podcast. Before we wrap things up all together, I do want to give a quick shout out to our lovely patrons. I want to shout out Tom Mulgrew, who pledged at the not quite $5 shake tier. And also to Shaka and everyone's favourite Josh Brown for pledging at the Clemenza special tier. Thank you all so much um i'm really excited to see where this is coming along i think we're what like four four episodes in five episodes in i've lost track of how many episodes we've done far more than uh, that. have we done more oh absolutely but if we want even more dad content where can we pledge money to you at patreon.com forward slash we love dad movies oh, i've got wow. all sorts of cool content in the works the next thing that we're doing in terms of a bonus essay thing is all about the works of john mcturnan We've already done two McTiernan movies and we will probably do entire episodes dedicated on all of his filmography. But I just really want to talk about how great John McTiernan is and how all his movies are bangers. The essay title will be John McTiernan Only Makes Bangers. To the point, succinct. Exactly. I feel like that needs to go on a mug or a (laughs) t-shirt or something. Um... Yeah, that's the next thing that's that's up, and yeah, this is this is this has been it. You can follow Wheel of Dad Movies on Twitter as well at twitter.com forward slash We Love Dad Movies. I have been Ewan. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter at Ewan Ruins Things. And today I have been joined by my partner Xander Godden, who you can catch on Letterboxd if you want to. Yeah, otherwise I will just exist as a letter being sent to uh, my family through typewriter um of my missing persons yeah i don't exist i don't exist yeah you're just an ai yes i I, I am mia bye (laughs) bye